This episode of the Playlist Podcast is brought to you by Secrets of the Whales. From executive producer and National Geographic explorer James Cameron comes Secrets of the Whales, a Disney Plus original documentary series plunging viewers deep within the epicenter of whale culture to experience the extraordinary communication skills and intricate social structures of five different whale species. Narrated by Sigourney Weaver, the series was filmed over three years in 24 locations around the world. As the Wall Street Journal said, it takes just a single glance at the opening scene to feel you've been transported to paradise. Secrets of the Whales is for your consideration for outstanding documentary or nonfiction series. Streaming now on Disney Plus. And for more information, go to natgeotv.com slash FYC. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Playlist Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Mike D'Angelo. And on this episode, my other co-host, Brian Farver, and I got to sit down with Luke Wilson. He's currently out promoting his new film, 12 Mighty Orphans. That hits theaters June 11th. What can you say about the Luke man? Uh, He was an absolute gentleman and everything you'd expect him to be. He was so nice and such a treat to talk to. So uh, I'm sure you can hear it uh, throughout. But uh, during the interview, we got to discuss the amazing story that inspired 12 Mighty Orphans, the 20, yes, 20 year anniversary of the Royal Tenenbaums. And of course, we had to touch on the brilliant, prescient stupidity that is idiocracy. But before we get to our chat, I've got to tell you that the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, Deep Focus, The Fourth Wall, and more. can be heard on iTunes, Anchor FM, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe, drop us a comment or a rating, and as always, thank you for listening. Now, without further delay, our chat with the wonderful Luke Wilson. Usually there's three of us, but uh, one of us is is off to pick up a newly adopted baby. So mm-hmm. oh. he promised to name it Luke Wilson Jr. regardless of the sex. He told so. us that. Awesome name. <laughs> yeah. That's the only reason I would forgive him for not being. Good. <laughs> Good. So so. To welcome this beautiful Lucretia Wilson Jr. into the world. Lucretia. There we go. I'm going to pass that it. one on for sure. <laughs> Um, so we'll just jump in then. Uh, I want to thank Luke Wilson for joining the Playlist Podcast today to discuss his film, 12 Mighty Orphans. Luke, it is an absolute pleasure to have you. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Thank you guys yeah. for taking the time. Yeah, no problem. So jumping right into the movie, uh, watched it last night with my wife. I kept saying out loud at multiple points, now that can't be true. And then I'd have to pause it and be like, okay, oh, fuck me. Yeah, it's, yeah that's right. <laughs> And then, so I'd just be like in this Google cycle of like, wow, this is an insane story that I'm surprised hasn't been told up until now. Um, so but you would is stop that one of the, the things? Movie, and you would stop the movie and I would literally. The, yeah, that's an, <laughs> there were there was a few times I just had to, and I didn't want to miss anything, so I'm just like right because there are there are a few little things we changed from from the book and the way things actually yes. went down. So hopefully that didn't throw you off. We No, there were, there were a couple where I was like, okay, story points. I get it. We, you you got to kind of, we have didn't conflate sense. any facts, but we conflated some things for the timeline. Yeah. I like the, the main thing I was Googling was like the FDR of it all. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> Which I, nice. I, I felt this, I felt the same way about stuff like that. I'm like, so 
FDR, he, he was really a fan of the team. We, we know that. I, I, I had that same one. And also just like knowing that in that day and age, like how did FDR find out about him? I mean, it's exactly like read about it on Twitter or saw like yeah. a ESPN top 10 that week or anything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly old-timey espn that's that's right. exactly what happened uh but was with the the absurd truth of it all was that kind of what drew you to this or what what kind of you know made you um, say yes just i mean <clears throat> i uh growing up in texas and having played you know football from fifth grade through 12th grade and you know growing up in dallas during the Tom Landry, Staubach era into, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson, <clears throat> excuse me, and Troy Aikman. It was just kind of, it really is a big part of your life. It's like, you know, other cities I've been to like Philly or New York, where the sports really is a, a fabric of the, of the town. And that, that drew me to it. And then, you know, I haven't gotten to play that many, uh, real life characters. So it is fun to do research. And in this day and age, like you were talking about going on Google, you can go online and find out, you know, about anything you're interested in. So I was able to go learn a lot about Rusty Russell and then just having Jim Dent's great book made it um, fun and interesting to do research. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And, you know, I mean, this really is, it's a feel good sports drama. And, and over the course of your career, you've had a pretty unique, pretty diverse filmography, you know, with indies blockbusters, some raunchy comedies, uh, you know, hard hitting dramas, and then uh, star girl. Uh, it's, it's nice to meet you stripe. Um, so um, <laughs> thank you. Yes. So, you know, 30 years after, after bottle rocket, I mean, do you look back at everything and feel like you've, you've conquered a lot or is there a specific role or type of role that you are just still wanting to get your hands on? Yeah. I mean, there are definitely a couple of, of things I've, I've written that I'd love to kind of get up and running, but yeah, I mean, it's funny. I having, I'd played a teacher, but I'd never gotten the chance to play a coach. And yeah, looking back, it is pretty interesting. And even you mentioned star girl, like that's been really fun for me because you know, when I got started, there was, there weren't, you know, when I was growing up, there was just like the Christopher Reeve Superman and the great, and, and the, not the Grateful Hulk, the, the, incre the Incredible <laughs> Hulk. Um, I'm sorry, I was listening to the Grateful Dead channel on the way in here today. Okay. It's okay. all right. The, the, uh, the Incredible Hulk. So yeah, to, to, to get to play Stripes, he was really fun. Cause yeah, I have gotten the chance to you know, being Westerns and being, you know, police movies and dramas and made one horror movie. And yeah, I mean, I'm always just kind of, you know, I, I enjoy working and I enjoy working on different things. And of course, some things you might feel more connected to for whatever reason. And this was one of those movies where I, you know, I was finishing up a six month job. So I was kind of looking forward to taking a break and recharging my battery. And this came along and then, you know, it's become something I'm, you know, the most proud of and however long I've been doing this, like 25 years and just the greatest experience to work with Martin Sheen and, and all those boys. Like before I did the movie, I was like, 
now look, if I do this, I want to make sure these, these kids on the team that they, you know, they have good faces and they're believable as like depression era, dust bowl kids, you know, you can't have a bunch of like, you know, they can't look like they're in a boy band. And then I got there and like, see these great kids and they really did have great faces. And I was like, I'm the guy that looks like he's been hanging out in Malibu. You know, I, I need to kind of up my game and kind of work on my, my character and my accent and how I look. But yeah, I, I do feel lucky in that I've gotten to do a, a wide range of stuff. Cause as a movie goer and a, you know, watching shows, I really do like, you know, all different kinds of things. Mm. And even like, you know, speaking of the fact checking stuff, like even like some of the guys, you're like, he's probably a little older than a kid. You look at the pictures of them in real life. You're like, oh, yeah, that that's pretty good. That They did pretty good. on that casting. They, they really did. And I mean, I <clears throat> I do feel like I, you know, have a semi my mom's a photographer. So just always growing up with all these photography books and like the there's a famous photographer, Dorothea Lang, that took a lot of these Dust Bowl era photographs. And so I've just grown up kind of looking at those and, you know, Life Magazine, you know, you know, photos from that era. So, yeah, they just had a different look back then, uh-huh. the faces. And it wasn't just a haircut. It was just people's faces kind of looked different back then. And, and maybe it's their expression that kind of made them kind of stand stand out. But, yeah, they really... Um, found great kids for this and it was uh houston hill one of the producers his wife Anne, she was really instrumental in finding these kids because a lot of them had never acted before and hadn't um you know camera and and to me i i always enjoy working with people that you know might not have a lot of experience and i just know when me and my brothers and wes anderson got started you know we of course had no experience and you know, just can remember how kind of kind and patient the crew people and people like James Kahn and other actors that, that did have experience were with us. And, and yeah, these kids were great. They were curious and they were confident and um, yeah, they were just really fun to be around. Yeah. So speaking of Wes, as far as I can tell, it's been about 20 years since you've appeared in a Wes Anderson film dating back to Royal Tenenbaums in 2001 um considering how you know you both launched at the same time with bottle rocket your careers are kind of always linked in a way um so you know we gotta know do you plan on working with wes again in in the future is there a reason it's been 20 years have there been yeah i mean i i I can't believe it's been 20 years and yeah i mean we keep in touch and always kind of talking about doing something and it's just a matter of kind of um putting the band back together. But yeah, when I hear it's 20 years, it, it yeah, it bums me out. And then it's like, <laughs> you know, he's been so busy. I've been busy. Owen's been busy. And yeah. And in my mind, you know, when we started out, it was like, okay, we're going to do one of these every two years. And yeah. that, that would have been a great way to do it. But, you know, I've, I was a fan of Wes when we started and I've I've remained a fan. So it's fun to just go see his movies and, and to just see how, you know, his, he always had a style, but to kind of see how it's kind of changed and evolved. And uh, yeah, I'm going to do the, going to be at the Tribeca film festival with 12 mighty orphans in a couple of weeks. And it's the 20th anniversary of the Tenenbaums. So 
um, we're doing a couple of like Tenenbaum related things. So it'll be great to see those folks again. Absolutely. And speaking of West, I mean, he had, was it hinted at working on a Western that he was going to co-write with, with your brother, Owen, and he might feature you in a role. Do you know what yeah, happened with that we've project? Talked, we've talked over the years about maybe doing a Western um, with the, with the old group. Um, so that, that would be really, that would be really incredible. And I mean, I, I would be just like everybody else just to see Wes's take on a Western would be incredible. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I, I've just, I've done a couple of Westerns, but the one, the ridiculous six, which I did with Adam Sandler and his crew. I mean, it was one of the best times we've ever had just, you know, it was like, you know, May and we're sitting outside in New Mexico, just these beautiful crisp days. And, uh, I can just remember talking with those guys like, this is what John Wayne did all the time. This is why he did this, you know? And uh, and it's like you only shoot until the sun goes down and you're out at these beautiful locations and horses and uh, yeah, Westerns are, Westerns are great. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just, and I hate to like kind of, you know, backpedal just one last question about Wes. I mean, it's, this is the playlist after all. I mean, with it being 20th anniversary of the Tenenbaums, I know you're joining the folks for, you know, looking at that film for Tribeca. And I'm curious, you know, looking back at the legacy of the film and how, you know, nerds like us are still excited to talk about it. I just got done watching it again the other day. And I mean, what do you think is so special about that movie? Well, I mean, for me, it's incredible in that, you know, we had this first movie, we started out with Bottle Rocket and, you know, that was such a shock to even get that made. And I can't believe we even got the green light, you know, from Columbia Pictures of all people, not that they wanted to make it, but there were some, you know, some nice executives there that were helpful. And then there were some executives there that were like, okay, we'll make this, but can we just have people besides these guys acting in it? And I was always like, that seems reasonable, you know, well, we'll get them on the next one. Let's get some real actors in this West directs it we'll work on it and then, you know, act in something down the line. But yeah, I think what's cool about the Tenenbaums is to go from Bottle Rocket, which we shot in Dallas, and then Rushmore, which was shot in Wes's hometown, Houston. And then still you could see his style kind of evolving a little more. And then to suddenly be in Manhattan and you've got Gene Hackman, Danny Glover, Gwyneth Paltrow, Angelica Houston, Bill Murray. And to me, it all of a sudden just kind of exploded. And like, you know, the wardrobe was then incredible. And, you know, the pictures behind you and scenes were incredible. And and the walls and the rooms that you were acting in had been painted a specific color. Everything was kind of, you know, went uh, from black and white to Technicolor on Tenenbaums and it being like a great movie and just really kind of to have kind of uh, heart and humor, I think people might respond to. And yeah, I mean, to me, it's a shocker that it's 20 years old because the way I feel, of course, like maybe a decade old, you know, (laughs) at most, (laughs) but that's, I don't, that's probably a problem I have. Um, but yeah, I, and then, you know, Alec Baldwin, 
you know, is the narrator of the movie. And there are just so many kind of little nuggets throughout it. And um, uh, yeah, just just loved working on it. Yeah. And speaking of another, other, another well, cult classic of yours, it, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Idiocracy a bit just because of how prescient it was, yeah. <laughs> especially considering some of the, the past uh, decade that we had or five years or so that we've had, uh, given who was in the, the, the White House at the time. Uh, so that, that movie has taken on this kind of uh, more and more people are finding it. It's a cult classic. I have to imagine you get lines yelled at you all the time in the middle of the street. Uh, what do you think of the resurgence of, of a film like that? Because it really wasn't a hit at the time. So it's pretty crazy. Oh, I mean, the whatever, the opposite of a hit, it didn't even have the chance to really be a <laughs> flop. Yeah. Um, seriously, like I'll never forget. It was a Wednesday and I had the LA Times. And I'm like flipping through it. And I saw this little block ad with like a Michelangelo drawing and it said idiocracy in a theater and like found out that 20th century Fox hated it, dumped it, only put it on seven screens for like a week. And that was it. And, um, you know, oddly enough, the same thing had happened to Mike judge with, with office space, yeah. which then on become went on to become, I think the second biggest rental of all time behind star Wars for them. Um, so, and the same thing had happened to bottle rocket. That's how like I'd kind of gotten started with that. We'd made this movie came out, was gone. Then, you know, year later start kind of hearing like, you know, this person liked it or like, Hey, Billy Bob Thornton called up. They love bottle rocket or Sean Penn got in touch with Owen and Wes. He loved bottle rocket. And just kind of hearing about different people that we kind of loved and respected were into it. And then the same thing happened with Idiocracy, like just regular people, you know, like us loved it. And then, you know, I'd hear that there was an essay in Time Magazine about Idiocracy and society today. And, and then, yeah, with the last administration, I just remember reading one day that like, and someone from Carl's Jr. has just been appointed to, you know, some high ranking position. And I was saying like, wasn't there a guy from Carl's Jr. in the, in my cabinet in idiocracy? Um, but yeah, I, I'm good friends with Mike Judge and I, and I'm always, you know, he's, he, I'll say to Mike, like, you know, that's the movie that gets brought up to me the most. I think is probably idiocracy. And he says that, you know, same with him. He, you know, he gets it. People bring it up to him constantly and he's out there on social media. So he kind of hears about it more than I do, but it's, it is kind of incredible when those movies, they kind of fight their way through um, even, you know, they get dumped by the administration or, you know, by the, by the company and the powers that be, but then, you know, somehow like people find the movie. And I know that if I'd have been in, you know, eighth grade or 20, that I would have found it and loved it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you just feel lucky that, um, that it does find an audience, especially cause you know, you, it is a, it is a real bummer to make something you think it's funny and then you can't help, but kind of, have your feelings hurt or think like, well, you know, maybe we don't know what we're doing. You know, people that they, they Fox really hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I do also want to throw you a bone real quick on, on one that maybe you don't get 
you know talked about a lot but i absolutely adored roadies uh the the project he did with cameron oh. crow and and jj abrams and that was such a good show and i was so disappointed that you, you guys didn't get to come back for more thanks yeah i we'd known cameron crow from when when we first got to los angeles we were working with james l brooks whose production company was gracie films and they do the simpsons and that at the time was where cameron crow had made uh singles and uh his first movie uh with john cusack um yeah, say anything say anything excuse me and he, at the time cameron when we were trying to get bottle rocket made he was working on jerry Maguire. so he was like and we'd of course loved him from fast times like and then <laughs> yeah. even even you know back then had learned like oh the guy that wrote fast times was a rolling stone writer when he was 16 so just knew the name so then when we met him you know, for me, it was just incredible to meet him. And then, you know, had always kind of talked about working together and wanted to work together for a few years. And then when roadies rolled around and Cameron um, was kind enough to hire me, it was just a blast to work with him. And, uh, and yeah, that was to work with him on a music show. And, and we just had so much fun talking about music and musicians and assignments of him his and things that had happened over the years and you know I he would always kid around with me like you know just because I remember one day he said to me like you've read all the books haven't you and I just (laughs) felt like gosh that pretty much says it all I've read all the books and this guy actually lived it you know I was like a a guy reading about like world war two talking to like a, you know, a guy that had actually been on the beach at Normandy. Um, so yeah, I, I love working on roadies and, uh, mm-hmm. and being around all, you know, just the people that kind of had inspired Cameron. And then, you know, Jackson Brown was, was in a, was in a, uh, was in an episode and yeah, it was really Lindsay Buckingham. So it was really cool. Yeah. Even machine gun Kelly. Um, but, yeah, John uh, Kelly. So, uh, want to thank Luke Wilson for joining us to discuss his career, uh, his upcoming film Twelve Mighty Orphans, and just uh, how handsome he is. So, uh, Twelve Mighty Orphans uh, hits nationwide on June eighteenth. So, Luke, thank you so much. Really appreciate this, Mike Brian. Really appreciate it, and uh, look forward to. Uh, to listening to your to your show thank you guys Absolutely. for taking your time much. thank you right. stripesy <laughs> bye